Really, really grateful uh, that you're with us today in the room, those joining us online. Uh, we love you guys if you're here for the first time. Man, we're delighted that God has brought you and you've caught us uh, in a teaching series called Rethink, when life doesn't go the way you plan. That's when you rethink. It's based on Romans 12. Today we're in verses 11 and 12. And uh, just to get us ready, uh, I just want to give you a sauce survey uh, because I found out there are only two kinds of people in the world, boring people who don't like sauce and really cool people like me who like lots of it. And, that, and then God, because he has a sense of humor, we marry each other. That's me and my Debbie. She, she loves a plain cheeseburger. Me, I don't even care about the burger. I want all the sauce you got on it. So uh, to help my marriage and to help anybody here that needs it, we're gonna do a little sauce survey. And I want you, this is the time of the service where you're free to get uh, loud and rowdy because you want your sauce to win. Let me begin with uh, two common sauces, ketchup and mustard. Who are big mustard fans? All right. Little mustard mania in the house. Who are the ketchup lovers? I think you guys just like food. Okay, next. Okay, one of my personal favorites, mayo or ranch dressing. Who's a mayo person, loves the mayo? Mayo on everything, mayo makes things better. Ranch dressing. I like both. I'm weird. Okay, barbecue sauce. Sugar-free. Salsa. Who goes with the sauce? You guys are acting like you're going to get this when church is over. Who loves salsa? Yeah. All right, one more. This is my personal favorite. Being a diabetic, I can't have the sweet stuff, so I love the hot stuff. Uh, Tabasco, who's a Tabasco fan? Okay. Uh, who loves... Who are the real Christians that love Frank's original hot sauce like me? Okay. Oh, you guys need help. Um, what if, what if there was a sauce that would bring strength? All you gotta do is apply it to your struggle and it brings strength to every point of weakness. What if there's a sauce that you could apply to your brokenness and you find wholeness? What if when life goes painfully wrong, there, there's a sauce that you can rub into your problems and everything works out just right? What if there's a sauce that you could apply to an ugly experience and make it beautiful in its time? What if there was a sauce, a secret sauce that could heal every hurt? I wanna, I wanna share with you today um, God's secret sauce when life doesn't go the way you planned. Here are the secret ingredients of God's special sauce. Romans 12, 11, and 12. Never give up. Say that with me. Never give up. God is not kidding. Never give up. God is laying up the challenge. Never give up. Say it with me one more time. 
Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. That's the first ingredients. My, my Deb and I, we love to make taco soup. And it's a bunch of stuff you just dump in a crock pot. But the first stuff that goes in is a, a packet, two packets of ranch dressing seasoning. And that's the secret that makes it so good. That's the most important part of taco soup. Never giving up is the secret ingredient that sets God free to work everything together for the good. Never give up. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve the Lord. Let your hope make you glad. Be patient in time of trouble and never, never, never stop praying. I'm going to ask you to say that last phrase with me as well. Are you ready? I'll say it first. You say it after me. Never stop praying. Say it at home. Say it in the room. Never stop praying. Now that seems like an immense challenge. What is, that? what is God saying in this text as he writes to the church in Rome through Paul? I mean, are we supposed to pray 24-7? Well, our English gets a bit in the way of the true meaning. Paul uses a special Greek word here for never Stop. And the Greek word is pros carter eo. Um, let me throw it up on the screen here for you. It, it means to show oneself bold. As you pray, he's saying, when you pray, show yourself bold before God. Make a bold request. Whatever your struggle, whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty, whatever the challenge, however impossible the painful situation, show yourself bold. So, in other words, when life doesn't go the way you planned, pray bold prayers. Now, Deb and I, um, we found out the huge benefit of God's secret sauce. Um, About 25 years ago, I was sitting in my office and uh, I get a call from Turner High School. And the person on the other end of the line says, uh, Reverend Clark, nobody ever calls me Reverend. I said, listen, I'm the most irreverent pastor you've ever met. (laughs) I didn't. They said, Reverend Clark, uh, your son Josh is absent from school today without excuse. Okay, thanks for calling. I go home, I think I'm going to find Josh, he's 17 years old, I think I'm going to find him skipping school. It's a beautiful early October uh, day, and I think he's going to probably be outside laying in the grass, um, writing a poem or something. But when I get home, he's not there. So I call my Debbie at her work, and she didn't know anything about it, but her mom instinct, she says, I'm coming right home. And I get this creepy feeling in my gut. So I go up to his bedroom, open the door, and on his bed, there's like a ceramic thing he made in art, and it's holding down a note. And the note says, dear mom and dad, this is not about you, but I'm leaving home. You'll find the car at the clock tower inn. I'll be back at Christmas. Well, for a parent whose child has run away, October to Christmas is like a million years. Deb gets home, and um, when he wrote Clock Tower, do you remember the Clock Tower? 
When I think clock tower, I think buses to O'Hare Airport. Where is my son going? I think buses to the inner, to downtown Chicago. What's going to happen to my son there? And then as we investigate and search through his room, we find that his backpack is missing. He evidently has taken his sleeping bag. I get this mental image of him hitchhiking along the interstate. What kind of person is going to pick him up? So we get in the car, we get our son Jake, and we drive to the clock tower, and Debbie and Jake go looking for uh, Josh's car, and I brought along a picture, so I go to all the employees at the clock tower. This, this is my son. Have you, seen, have you seen my son? I go to the bus drivers. Uh, this, this is my son. Have, have you seen my son? No luck. No one had seen Josh. Debbie and Jake had found uh, the car, but Debbie would, wouldn't go near it. So uh, I open the car door, sit in the driver's seat, reach over to the glove box, open it, out falls the keys into my hands. And I think, oh my gosh, it's real. My son is gone. We don't, we don't know where he is. And I just sit there and weep. And that leads to us driving the two vehicles home uh, separately. Long trip, but we were in for a longer night with a little sleep and tons of desperate prayer. That was the Clark family's night in the fiery furnace. Have you ever heard that phrase before or used it? I mean, a terrible, painful, hurtful life experience and it's like being in a fiery furnace. Have you heard that before? Well, it comes from the Bible. It comes from an evil king in the Bible. His name is King Nebuchadnezzar. And he is like a, a, an egomaniac. He thinks the world revolves around him. And to some degree, it actually did. He was the ruler of the Babylonian Empire. And at that time, it was called the center of the world. And he had developed this severe a god complex. Here's how the word of God takes up the story. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold monument to himself, 90 feet high, nine feet thick, and set it up on the plain. I grew up in Douglas County, Illinois, flattest piece of ground in the nation. And I could just imagine that huge 90-foot tower rising up out of the corn stalks, the soybean field, 90 feet high, nine feet thick, towering, a spire looming dramatically over everyone and everything. And when construction is finished, there is this royal dedication. It would have been like the opening ceremony for the Olympics because from all over the empire, people are brought in. An immense audience and this huge crowd goes into a hushed silence when a herald proclaims these words, a herald proclaimed peoples of all nations, races, and languages. You will hear the sound of trumpets. As soon as the music starts, you are to bow down and worship the golden statue. Anyone who does not bow down and worship will immediately be thrown into a fiery furnace. So guess what happened? Man, everybody and their brother hits their knees, puts their faces on the ground. As soon as that first trumpet elicits a blast and they begin to worship the 90-foot tower of gold, everybody kneels and worships except three young Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego. Well, they are immediately nabbed by the monument police and hauled in front of the king. And the king is like, I like you guys. I know you guys. So I'm gonna give you one more chance. The music's gonna play. When the music plays, you better bow down or I'm gonna fry your rear ends or something to that extent. The Bible says it went this way. If you refuse, if you don't bow down, you will immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? What little G God can rescue you from my power? You don't bow down, you're gonna fry, you're gonna die, and it's gonna be awful. So before I give you the the response of these three men to the intimidating threat uh, of the king, which was certain to be fulfilled, um, let's revisit and rethink Romans 12, 11 and 12. Here's the text again. Never give up, never give up, never give up. Eagerly, instead of giving up, eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve somebody. Serve somebody in Jesus' name. Serve the Lord. While you're at it, let your hope make you glad. Be patient then in time of trouble and never stop praying. Um, never stop praying. Pros. Cartereo, show yourself bold. When life doesn't go the way you planned, pray bold prayers. I want you to do that this week. I'll do it with you. Uh, We've created prayer cards that you'll be given on your way out. Uh, God's secret sauce. It's got the scripture today, Romans 12, 11, and 12, and it's got a prayer process, a bold prayer process you can pray. The first element of the process, I mean, at least do it once a day. Stick it in your Bible. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Attach it to your refrigerator, but pray it at least once a day. Maybe pray it three times a day. Whatever fiery furnace you're living in, this is your hope. This is your hope. Here's the first element of the prayer. Oh God, help me hold on. I will never give up. So we humbly ask from the onset, we humbly ask for God's help, but we boldly declare our commitment that we're not giving up no matter what. God help us, I won't give up. Here's the second element. Oh God, find, help me find someone to serve. This is the biggest reason for unanswered prayer. We want God to do something for us, but we're not doing anything for him. We want God to serve us, but we aren't serving him. We want God to make a difference in our lives, but we aren't serving as a difference maker in our church. And now there are spaces between these elements. So you can write down your personal fiery furnace. You can write down your painful impossibility. And you can write down your request. God, help me. I'm going to hold on. God, I won't give up. Here's the third element. God, help me to have hope. And to be glad. This is so big because this sets God free to do a special work in you, to grow your hope in the midst of the struggle, to grow your hope and to grow your sense of joy. And then here's the final piece. And it is vastly, by far, the most important part of a bold prayer. Oh God, help me have patience. Now I say it's the most significant because there are six, in the Greek language, there are six different distinctive words for patience. 
And Paul selects a very unique word with a special meaning. And it, the, the word is hupomeno. And here's how I would define it. Hupomeno is the calm courage necessary to get to victory. I mean, if you panic, you're going to lose. If you're afraid, you're going to fail. If you freak out, you're just making things worse. So pray for the calm patience, the calm courage to hang in there and to get to victory. Um, so these young men, they refused to bow their knees to the king's statue in the face of certain threat and terrible punishment. This is their response to the threat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, your majesty, your majesty we, we don't need to defend ourselves. Look at this, the God we serve. Because they serve God, they had the special privilege of asking God to serve them. The God we serve is able. That's their faith. That's their faith establishing the fact that God is able to do anything. I mean, he's the creator of heaven and earth, the sky and the sea, all that's in them. He made everything and of nothing, nothing is too difficult for God. God, the God we serve who is able, able to save us from you, O king, and your fiery furnace. But even if he does not, even if our God does not save us, we still won't worship your gods, little g gods, and the gold statue you put up. Well, man, no sooner do they say that than the king, he just goes major league ballistic. Look at the text. Scripture says that Nebuchadnezzar's face twisted with anger at the three men. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Next, he commanded some of his strongest soldiers, this is like Teal SEAL Team 6, to tie these guys up and to throw them into the fiery furnace. But here's the deal. SEAL Team 6, these strongest soldiers in Nebuchadnezzar's army, they likely had bowed down to the little G God of money. I mean the monument. The little G God of pride. They had bowed down to the little G God. This is warning not only do little G gods, last night after the service, I was down front praying uh, with a couple, 30-something and 20-something. They said they'd been one week sober. Please pray with us. We're trying to get out of a fiery furnace. Please pray with us. And, and we prayed we are all in recovery from some little G-God. Theirs was an addiction. Yours, maybe it's money. Maybe it's education. Here's the warning. When we give ourselves to little G-Gods, here's what happens in the text. The fire was so hot that the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers. The 90-foot monument, nine feet thick, made of gold, couldn't save them. They perished. And when, when those guys died, oh my gosh, Nebuchadnezzar loses it. He comes flying off his throne. It's not because the soldiers died, but it's because of what he saw. Check it out. In the text, the word of God reads, suddenly the king jumped up and shouted, weren't there only 
free men tied up and thrown into the fire. Look, he said, I see four men loose. They're free. They're walking around in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar got that right. The crazy king gets this part right because the king of kings, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he shows up in the fire and the men are set free. They are surrounded by flames, but they are untouched. For me, maybe the most dramatic, significant moment when Jesus shows up in the fiery furnace for me is when he gave himself on a cross and shed his blood and breathed his last to pay for my sin and yours and God raised him from the dead. That's the gospel. And the gospel is the supernatural power of God that changes things in our lives. For those who believe and surrender to, it's truth. In fact, the scripture says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just stepped out of the fire. The fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. They they had been thrown in bound, they were set free, and they stepped out. They stepped out of the fire. That's what happened to Deb and I 25 years ago. Uh, some of our friends that were police came over to our house looking for evidence, trying to find out where Josh might have gone, and um, came up with nothing. And so everybody's gone now. Friends had been there. We'd prayed, and we called people to pray for us. And so we're starting to go up our stairs to go to bed. And Debbie says, no, I'm not going to sleep in my bed if I don't know where my son is sleeping tonight. So we turned around, went back downstairs, laid down on the couch and, and couldn't sleep. I opened God's word. And in scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus is the good shepherd. He doesn't just care for his sheep. He calls his sheep by name. And they hear his voice and they follow him. So I begin to pray, Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. Would you stand watch over my son, wherever my son is? Would you guard my son? And I got this mental image of Josh camped out someplace by the side of the road and Jesus present right there with him as a good shepherd. And I, I prayed, Lord, would you make Josh so miserable, so cold, and hungry um, that he'll want to come home or at least call us for money. And um, as long as I had that mental image and prayed that prayer, man, I would just drift off to sleep. Well, the next morning we get up and still haven't heard anything. And I go into work and it was before cell phones. So we had to hang by the phone, praying, hoping. And I get my stuff and go back home to study so Debbie can go to her work so I'm taking like a late morning shower. I'm shaving. And as I shave, I'm looking in the mirror at myself. And I'm praying what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego declared. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, you are able. Lord, you are worthy of all service and adoration and worship. You, you are able to bring my son home. Please bring my son home. And if, if that's not a part of your will, Lord, just... Let him call so we know where he is and how he is. Let, let our son call. Lord, 
If he doesn't come home and he doesn't call, we still love you, we'll still serve you, still believe you are able. No sooner, serious, no sooner had I prayed that prayer, look in the mirror, my face half shaved, that the phone rings. And you might guess it was Josh. He said that he camped out by the side of the road. He'd hiked down to Oregon, Illinois, camped down to, by the side of the road, and he'd been so miserable. His sleeping bag had a hole in it, and he got so cold and so wet, and he had hiked back to Rockford. He was so hungry, he wondered if we would come meet him at the Cracker Barrel restaurant. <laughs> and we said yes, and we went there to kill him. No, no, we went there to be in the very presence of a bold prayer answered by a faithful God. We went there to say, thank you, Father. You are able. You are worthy of all, all our worship and all our adoration. Uh, my son, Josh, he's one of my best friends now. So thankful to God. He's not that kid that ran away anymore. He's a man leading worship probably this weekend in Rockford. But, um, and it doesn't always happen that way. You, you don't always get out of the furnace overnight. Sometimes, as I've found, it's months and even years. But know this. It's praying the elements of that bold prayer. And so I want you to pray it this week. God, help me. I'll never give up. Give me someone to serve. Increase my hope and my joy. Help me be patient in time of trouble. I'll never stop praying. I'll pray boldly, Lord. I'll ask for anything and everything in your name. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.